We are joined by Jason Kipnis, now of the Chicago Cubs. Kip, how you doing, dude? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming on, us. man. What's we, uh, uh, what's good? <laughs> living that nice quarantine life right now. You're looking at it. I told Trevor I needed something to do to feel like a big leaguer again, and he said to come on. Yeah, do some do some talking about the game. Yeah, that's what everyone Why likes not? to do. So, uh, first question: we were, we googled your name, and the first thing that comes up is a new purchase of yours. Are yes. you quarantined in the new house? No, I wish I would be enjoying this a lot more if I was set up in that. That's not not done, not moved in yet. Where are you at? I'm in Chicago right now. So a lot of guys, a lot of guys went went home. Uh, I was worried be, that they're gonna put a travel ban on, and my my girlfriend's like, "You got to be quarantined with me if we're gonna be quarantined." So I, I had to fly home from Arizona, which was warm and a safe state, to quarantine with her. Has she regretted that decision now that we're six or seven <laughs> days into the quarantine? She hasn't. <laughs> I guess. I gotta say, when I hear Jason Kipnis of the Chicago Cubs, it just doesn't really add up to me. It's it's still taking some getting used to. There's it's it's been it's been different this year. There, there's no denying that. To kind of refreshing to be the new guy and not know like you feel like a rookie again. You don't know where everything is. You don't know who anybody yeah. is. You got to learn names and where to go and uh, how a whole new organization works. I've been fortunate enough to be with one for ten plus years now. It's a it's a change to be in a new one. How, the most uh, important thing is, is you look good in a Cubs uniform. So that's like that, number that, one thing. That I appreciate that because that was definitely top on my list of worries. <laughs> the, stripes, the, stripes, the stripes are slimming. <laughs> and uh, Ploof, I, I normally I wouldn't hype him up, but he uh, we we did a Cubs episode. We were doing every team before the season, and now me and John Boy have kind of had our souls taken away that the season's gone, like everyone in baseball. Yeah. But uh, Trevor, Trevor was high on you on the Cubs, man. How uh, how how was everything going with the Cubbies? He he liked you slotting into two B and kind of filling out that lineup. How how was the camp? How are the dudes? How was everything? You know what? It it really is a good group of guys here. Um, I it hasn't taken long to to fit in. I think uh, I've been friends with Rizzo for a little bit, um, so it's good to at least have some guy, especially one of his nature, that I can kind of lean on to, to get fit in, but, um, going back to all I know in Cleveland, when I, when I had that kind of core group of the, the Brantley, the Tomlin, Kluber, Jan Gomes, that whole, the Chisnall, all those guys were, it's just like a, a group of best friends. The group they have in the Cubs has been there together for a few years now. So it's like, I recognize the, the more or less the shit talking that goes on in the locker room, the, all the banter that happens and I, I, I've, I've missed it in a sense. So I'm actually excited to be a part of it again. And uh, cause I haven't had the last few years with all the new guys kind of changing faces in Cleveland. Yeah. That core you guys had, I remember, I don't know what year it was. I think it was like the first year that you were in the playoffs, like 2013 maybe. And you know, the twins weren't very good. We all know that, you know, people tell me <laughs> that all the time, <laughs> but um, it, it'd be like, it, I think it was like May or something, and we we couldn't lose to you guys. You guys were a good team, but we kept beating you, and you kept telling me, man, would you guys stop beating us? We're trying to make the playoffs here. Crushed us. The, you guys were our <laughs> kryptonite that year. Yeah, and then I was but, – but I was thinking to myself, like, Kip, like, you guys, like, are you going to make the playoffs? Are you that good? Because at the time, the Tigers were really good, and, you know, the division was a little different. 
And then sure as hell, you guys just went on a damn run and that core came up together. And then, you know, for the foreseeable future after that, it was just like you guys essentially took over the division. It's really cool to see. But you you knew early on that that was the case. I didn't see it right away, but you were very confident. And I think that's really cool to to kind of see now in retrospect. It might have been an undeserving confidence because I think I hadn't come up the first couple of years that I was there in 11 and 12. It's like we were borderline losing 100 games. So it, that was still when the Tigers were, I mean, Scherzer, Price, Cespedes, Miggy, Prince, like all those guys who were going crazy. Through. Yeah, Porcello. Like if you go back and look at their rosters, it's ridiculous now that you think about it with Victor and all them. Um, we they were they weren't playing that well, and we were making our run. I think so. I I just whether I meant it or not, or knew it or not, I was trying to talk myself into it. That it was already <laughs> nice to come up with the same group and get to experience it because it, when when you experience the downs with people, it, it makes it that much better to kind of experience the ups. But um, a little different group that time. That was with like Swisher and Bourne and Masterson, and that was almost a little bit before the the. Early Carrasco Kluber years, kind of. I was telling Jimmy about that. At the end of that year, you guys clinched in front of us, and there's like that really cool picture of you and Swisher celebrating together because you made a diving play at the, mm-hmm. at the end of the game and threw a uh, threw a guy out. You were on your knees, and Swisher was going crazy. Like it was tough to watch for me. Like I was happy for you, obviously, <laughs> but um, really cool cool to see it all unfold you guys were uh, after that i was rooting for you guys but um i do think they you guys know, might have clinched in front of us a couple times in my career do these guys know that uh in the depth chart of your babysitters <laughs> for your kids that where where do i rank on the depth chart for babysitting your kids right now with the quarantine you shoot right to the top <laughs> of the list <laughs> anyone that wants to babysit when he had a newborn, I would ask him all the time from our dugout if he needed a babysitter, and he just was adamant that he would not let me near his kids and uh, <laughs> took it personally. It was you and Mike Avilas, and I was—I uh, <laughs> didn't want my son having some stupid batting stance. So you guys can't <laughs> Oh, we wow. would, we would from our dugout. He'd be at third base looking at us, and I'd be like, <laughs> like doing the cradle, and then me and Avilas would literally do like wrestling moves to a fake baby the whole time. <laughs> trying to distract him and yeah you guys you guys would act like you were punching a baby (laughs) (laughs) i I still don't know why you would never let us yeah babysit that's wow how does uh the the kip disploof connection start where did you guys first meet up or start playing against each other just being in the same division and playing against each other and um i think i we both respected the way the other person played the game and i think my early years was when trevor was him like 40 doubles a year so he'd always be on second i'd always have time to introduce <laughs> myself and talk to him and um i think there's there's just some people that have good sense of humors and they, you can sell right away and kind of i think that just literally became the the basis to the friendship hey thanks man yeah yeah uh-huh. no we we yeah we would uh because we played each other all the time you know like and kip was in minnesota or i was in cleveland we would you know end up out sometimes together or just kind of go grab a drink after the game. But mostly it was just from playing against each other. And like you said, you know, get on the bases in that long season. It's, it's fun to talk to people, you know, how it yeah. goes. So we, we would just kind of banter back and forth. Me, him and Dozier out there just talking crap to each other. Um, <laughs> I remember in particular one time I hit a home run, my bad. 
And uh, I thought Brantley caught the ball in center field. So I started running back to our dugout. And you were just like looking at me like, what? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) It was a home run. So I had to like, it was off Kluber actually. Another my bad. My bad. So I turned back around after I realized that I had hit a home run and I wasn't out and I ran back and like, yeah, you're, you were just cracking up. (laughs) Then I was talking, I think, did you, what was your last year in Minnesota? 16. 16. So you, Bauer was with us for a little bit. I remember telling him that I was going to little league World series you, if you hit a home run versus Bauer, I was going to high five you around second base. (laughs) 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 It was off Bauer. Oh, that would have been good. You uh, you saw Bauer and Kluber both kind of come up and become the dominant pitchers they were. Is that like yeah. two completely different journeys of two different – like or two different personalities there getting to the same oh, spot? Oh, very, very far different personalities. Um, Kluber was a late bloomer. Kluber uh, kind of – picked up steam as he got to double A and cut better. And then I think he just either developed his slider or something that really, once he got to, because his first year is like first couple starts, 10 starts, wasn't that great in the big leagues. I think then he had an off season to work on everything and um, took off from there. Bauer's always been a high profile top three pick or whatever. He's been a, a top of the line starter. That's just kind of had his way since junior high, his method of going about things and, um, the the success that's followed with him has kind of been his basis that he leans on that that he doesn't think he needs to change or that's and what he's doing and for a lot of things that he does it's he's not wrong um he, he's been at the forefront of like the whole drive line kind of stuff and arm care kind of things um i i wish he'd had a bit of a a better way to kind of relate that information a little bit more personal approach to talking to people, um, but but you got to give him a little bit of credit. And that's some of the stuff that he's done from early on is now organizations kind of make every pitcher do. Yeah, I was uh, hanging out with him. He had me on his show, and Clevenger was there, and they were laughing that Clevenger basically, like, taught Bauer how to – or tried to teach Bauer how to talk to teammates. Like, dude, you can't say that. Don't say that. And, and Bauer was like, I was really grateful for it because I needed someone to no, tell me and that. No, he, and he did. And it's not – as someone who's personable or can have a conversation or something, that you – as uh, one of them might be, you take it for granted. Or you kind of think that's just how everyone is or going to be. And some guys don't have the same childhood, don't grow up the same way, or just aren't the same person. So they need a little bit – um, kind of helping where they just realized like, and, and I talked to Trevor a bunch too, where I said, Hey, pick your battles. I was like, you're not doing yourself any favors by, by dying up on that Hill with your beliefs. There's, there's a benefit to letting someone win a small battle if you're kind of trying to win the war. So I was like, just pick your battles a little bit better. And he, he was fine. He, you, you understand who he is at the end and why he is the way he is. Were you out there when he threw the ball over uh, the center field fence? <laughs> oh, oh, I was. I had an off day, um, nice. so I actually it was like the fourth or fifth inning. Um, I just played a lot straight, and I was told I'm not like I'm, we're not using you today. So I had checked out, glasses on, um, <laughs> was not participating in that day. Uh, yeah. I was actually up making a, a PB and Jane about the fourth or fifth inning when I had, <laughs> watching on TV. And I see it happen. I'm talking like sandwich in hand, just like spreading like 
<laughs> looking up at the TV. <laughs> Let, like, no way. I come down. I could hear Tito ripping him from, like, the hallway in Kansas City. There's, like, a little gym underneath, and I hear Tito absolutely <laughs> ripping into him, and I'm laughing. Like, I'm coming around the corner like a giggly little schoolgirl. Like, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> we got into the, the weight room. Kluber's there with our strength coach um, and Plowecki. Me and Kluber have dealt with power. We, there's nothing that he could do that we'd have been, like, completely shocked. We're like, yeah, okay, I did it. Yeah, I understand. With Ploiecki, had never seen anything like that. He didn't know Trevor too well, and he is, like, running circles around the gym, like, I can't believe what I just saw. What just happened? Like, he didn't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> know Trevor. Like, no, yeah, this makes sense. That's up. Yeah. I, I asked you about him right when he came up because he had some – uh, I don't know, like some, there was something like in the news about him or whatever. Someone was talking about him. So I asked you, I said, Hey, what's up with this guy? And I remember what you told me, you're like, that's just, it. that's just who he is. You know, he's not trying to be anything other than who he is. And from that point on, I was like, I like the guy, let him be who he is. You know, it allows you to understand he's unapologetic for who he is. And he, he feels that if he's being honest and it, he's not necessarily wrong in this case, he's being honest, how offensive can be. He's telling you how he feels and what he's thinking. And so you appreciate that fact. And once you do appreciate that, it kind of, you start to understand being like, okay, this guy doesn't know that maybe a white line might be a good thing or maybe picking someone up. Where, <laughs> like, I mean, but like there's benefits to it where it's just like, he's just all the time honest. And it, it's, it's eye opening because it's, you don't see it too often. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel like he's been doing a little better lately the more he's gotten in front of the cameras and stuff. But it is funny, and, and the, the closer me and Jim have gotten into kind of this baseball world, it is like uh, the outside world forgets that, like, baseball players are people. And it's funny, we meet uh, Trevor's guy, Phil Hughes, and, like, I think Phil's having a blast in the quarantine. I think he's cool if he only sees his family and <laughs> yes, he never he comes <laughs> comes out again. So it's funny to see that. Who uh, who are the dudes at Cubs camp that you're like, like you you mentioned your buddies with Rizzo's, but who whose else's personality was like clear day one, uh, either the entertainer or who who jumps out of that Cubs Cubs clubhouse? Uh, God, struggling there. Schwarber's hilarious. Schwarber's got a funny sense of humor. Um, okay, he's exactly how you hoped he would be, kind of this Midwestern. <laughs> Just powerhouse. I, I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Hayward's pretty calculated. He's kind of cool, calm, and collected. He's a, he's a dude. Uh, Lester is two different people on the field and off the field. And you hear about, like, those pitchers that when they're in between the lines or it's game day, it's like you don't want to talk to him. He's one of those guys, and you, I knew it going in, and um, he's lived up to the billion. But when he's out – and not pitching, he jokes around. He's he's a fun dude to be around. So it's it's really is a good clubhouse. There's no, I I don't have many bad things to say about anyone as, so far. I really enjoyed those first couple of weeks that I was with the the group and um, was really looking forward to starting the season. But now it's kind of like I'm isolated and separated, and we'll we'll hopefully pick back up when we ever do. How was Rossi? I mean, you come from Tito, who's 17 year manager. To Ross, who's a rookie, is there noticeable differences or is there any combo between a yes. veteran like yourself and him? Yes, because the sense that Tito Tito doesn't give a fuck. Like, if he, he knows he's <laughs> he's Tito. He's his job secure. He's a, a Hall of Fame manager, and um, he he can laugh at himself. I think Rossi in his first year is um, 
you, you don't want to screw up. You're, you're coming off. You want to make the changes that maybe they didn't feel they had going with Joe. They want to kind of counter whatever that needed to be changed. And um, that being said, you can tell he's passionate about it. He's uh, a good guy to be around. And it's, it's fun to watch how the relationships that he's had Obviously, he's like best friends with Rizzo and Ryan and all these guys that he played with and won in 16. It's like you have to watch them kind of respect the person now where it's like, hey, you can't mess around with Rossi as much because he's also the manager. And Rossi's like, I'm also the manager. I can't dick around with these guys as much. <laughs> they, they slip up a bunch of times, and I love seeing it when they kind of get <laughs> their old relationship. I got to imagine that you had something to do with bringing old Mike Napoli on board as the quality control coach. Oh, no. okay. Well, first off, that <laughs> – a joke in itself that, <laughs> that name of, uh, title. we talked about that a couple of days ago how these names of these positions are just getting out of hand yeah you just yeah. just yeah. make it a, a napoli title or something that you just want this guy <laughs> on the bench with you because he's awesome um he i think he was ross's only hire I, that he really had a say in kind of that he brought on and i think they didn't know each other other than from like playing and um recommendation and stuff like that i, I want to say and I, I don't know if that's wrong of me to say or public information is now but i think uh, <laughs> i want to say napoli was his first or only hire of it it adds up they just they they fit the same bubble when you think of baseball guys like they just kind of agreed agreed guys who when you hear the clubhouse guys when you hear guys who make everybody better or want to be around because they keep everybody in a good mood good spirit um, those Ross and Napoli are two of them. Yeah, that's such an underrated thing in a clubhouse. You have to have a guy that can show up and just kick the monotony of it because you're going to be, like you said, or we talk about all the time, the season is so damn long. And there's going to be times where your team's struggling or you're in a lull and you need somebody that's going to come and, and bring that spark or, you know, I'm sure Napoli's done a bunch of different stuff, but in my experiences, the guys that are always just so positive and they show up and, and it, it feeds to the rest of the team. And I think I saw that with you guys in Cleveland with him, you guys were such a tight knit team, always having fun. And there's something to be said about that. Like, yeah, winning is fun. So it's easy to have fun while you're winning. Yeah. But every team goes to that point where it's like, there's the Valley in the season and you got to get out of there. Uh Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him back. But he's not wrong in the sense if if you win a hundred, if you're going to go 162 and 0, you're probably not going to have many problems. Like he's saying, where winning kind of cures a lot of things. But it's 162 games in what 185 days that you're basically around the same group of guys 185 days in a row, more or less, like you're going to get tired of people. You're going to get, you're, there's fights that are going to happen. They're just going to, and they're not even big fights. They're just, you're getting annoyed with someone or it builds up over time. And it's those guys that we're talking about that kind of ease the, the tension. They um, not let it build up to be more than it needs to be. Um, they, they bridge the, the gaps of, uh, the language barriers are like the, the Latin players like Napoli, a big thing he would do would be playing cards with Jose Ramirez and um, ping pong with like Roberto Perez, like every single day, just to, and it's a real thing just to like have that continuity of a relationship between whether it's the whites and Latin players or something like that. It's a real thing where it's like, for and sure. It, yeah. Cause you don't like, I mean, if, if you, you try to put yourself in their shoes, if 
Trevor and I or something go play ball in the Dominican League, I guarantee we're going to be hovering around each other for most of the time just because we're – that's a comfort zone, whether it's English speaking or what have you. So it's not like a bad thing that they be a little cliquish at times, So, you, but you just want to include them and you want the team to be a whole. So you need guys like that who reach out and make that effort to kind of include everybody. I feel yeah. like you're kind of that guy as well. It's not just, you know, we're talking about Napoli a lot, but I feel like you were kind of that guy as well. Like I, try to. I try to. I don't, I try to fuck around with anybody. I think I, I try to have <laughs> a good time and um, keep it lighthearted at, at best times I can. Um, so like I, I'll, I'll be the first one to smash something down below, but if someone breaks a joke right as I'm like back swinging, I was like, I'm going to laugh at it. I'm still going <laughs> to, I'm not going to carry it over. So I think that a lot of guys, and that's what it, it helps. You don't want guys who are just, in it for themselves they get they when you realize the big picture you realize that you're, you're you're affecting everybody else with the way you act every day well in the clubhouse 2017 you guys went on that crazy stretch was it 21 games in a row 22 games 22 in a row i think that's insane yeah so when you're in the clubhouse there at the beginning i'm guessing everyone's all happy and loose and not thinking about but at what point i mean it has to change to you're like oh shit we better not ruin this streak where it goes from fun and loose to now we're pressure filled. A little bit of both. You want to know how many games I played of that 22-game win streak? How many? Not I one. do remember that now that you say that. Not one. I was on the DL. Oh, no. I was injured. So when you ask me about the clubhouse, guys on the DL don't have the best feel for the clubhouse all the time because they're, they're in at different times. They're, they come in in the morning before the team gets there and get out of the way because they don't want to – be on the table and take up space kind of you and you feel in the way a bunch too that being said that's when we had like jay bruce we had urshela who's on the yankees with us they were you could just tell it was relaxed and fun and the same jokes weren't getting old and it was like just you're looking forward to showing up to the field but i think that i'd be lying if i didn't say as you get a little closer to what was the record like 20 or something like that Guys start to – you probably could see a little bit tighter. Guys were starting to play a little bit tighter because they either wanted to get there or um, just started thinking about it. But other than that, it was a loose environment, as you could ask for. Yeah, just looked. You got injured right before and then returned right afterwards. Were you, like, itching to get out there to be part of the streak? Oh, absolutely. And and I'd be lying if I didn't say that there's a part of me that, like, I don't want to come back and, until we lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're, we're gonna lose my first game back, and I'm gonna be to blame. Like you, you think about that. <laughs> no, I'll, I'm gonna wait this one out. Fortunately, it never happened. They lost before I came back, but their infield was doing so well in the sense that, like, they were a nasty infield. Gio was at third, Jose was at second, Frankie at short, and Santana at first. So it's like that was the first year where I came back, and I was just like, all right, there's not much room. I don't want to rock the boat. I think Zimmer had just broken his hand, so that's when I went to center field for the first time. It was right after that win streak, my first time back. Dude. And I, I was actually, I was heading there a little bit because I, I remember that happening, and it, it was kind of this weird, like, wait, Indians are throwing Kipnis in center, like the All Star second baseman, and I, you know, I hopped on the Wikipedia, did my five minutes of research before this, and <laughs> saw you, you, I think you played center field in college, right? Yeah. So I, I mean that that goes down and I, I was actually going to bring this to now a little bit because we saw a little bit of Neil Walker two years ago on the Yankees and the Yankees, they threw him at third base a little bit. They threw him in right field where versatility is so valued now. Um, you know, I was saying how Trevor plugged you into the second base spot for the Cubs, but I mean, are you, 
are you Jason Kipnis, the second baseman? Are you second baseman slash center field? Are you wherever the team needs me, coach? Or where, where are you at? Coach, I think, uh, listen, you get older, you become a free agent. You, you start selling yourself any way you can, to be honest. I don't think you limit yourself to one position. I think you tell, and you mean it too, you tell coaches and teams that like, hey, I'll play wherever, wherever you need. You're looking for an opening. And that's kind of what I was doing when I went to center is that I'd rather, I'm not going to be stubborn and be like, no, I'm a second baseman. I'm, I'm, that's my spot. No, it's like, hey, we're going good. Um, I'd rather be in the lineup than on the bench in that sense. And so if center field is where I got to do it, then so be it. I'll, I'll wing it. When you were at uh, Arizona, did you play with Calhoun? Yeah, we roomed together. Because you guys are like the same size, right? Uh, I'm not going to take offense to that and just say, yeah, we're both. Uh, we're I just both mean it. Oh, you're it's talking to two bad. very short guys. Don't worry about yeah. it. He's a um, little stocky than I am. He's a little little chunkier, I'm going to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a little thick. He's a little thicker for sure. He's a Is little he? thick. <laughs> two C's. Yeah. He's a little thick. Okay. He's that good thick. Let's, uh, let's, let's good start. Thick. Let, let's start getting into the silly a little bit because uh, we do baseball, but we're uh, we got to get away from baseball too. That's part of it. Um, what's uh like like we said, we were looking stuff up. You just got the new house. You got a restaurant. Plue says you're pretty locked into that. Is that uh, is that after the doubles and the home runs? Is that where you lie, or that's just an interest of yours, or what? Uh, I think so. It kind of started with, uh, when Chaba Chamberlain with, with, was with the Indians for a year, I became close to him. Um, and I can't say enough good things about him as a, as a human being, as a person. If you know, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, look up that guy's story with his parents and everything about that and how far he's come and job, what are you going to attest to it? Yankees yeah. didn't do him any service and well, he got fucked by the Yankees. Starter than reliever started. It's hard for a pitcher to do that. Um, but he was the main guy I asked in the sense that he taught me, don't wait till you're done playing to start investments. He's yeah. like, you're gonna, you're gonna, guys will panic when the the paycheck stuff coming in, and you might throw money at a bad investment or something like that. He's like, get the ball rolling now, so when you're done playing five years from now or whenever it may be, he's like, those paychecks are already coming in. And so I started looking for an investment uh, with a buddy of mine who happened to be like who who ran the the Ford Club in Cleveland, Trev. And, uh, oh yeah. I said he's like with the hospitality group. I said, hey, next I'm looking for investments. Um, let me know next good one you got. And that happened to be the first one in Columbus um, that arose. He's like, it's a huge building, two stories. Um, that the property wasn't doing well because there's uh, construction going on the sidewalk. So it was killing the foot traffic and all this stuff. And we're getting in at a great time. And it just worked out perfectly where we designed this beautiful restaurant that kind of like a towel, kind of half restaurant, half club, um, two floors later in the night, it turns more a little clubby. Um, but we yeah. Had yeah. We had a, uh, a great chef, a James Beard award winning chef on hand to start the process. Um, and, and we really got in at that summer months when um, Ohio State football was just getting kicked off. So we had a bunch of TVs and would do like brunch hours for games. And it's turned into a great place, unfortunately. Um, this, this whole quarantine and uh, coronavirus has kind of brought it to a halt. But just like any other business, um, I think we had, to, we had to lay off most of the employees. And 
for them to maybe like file for unemployment or something. Their jobs will be waiting for them when they, we start back up. But um, as any business or any small business, this is not a good time for it. Yeah, I have a buddy who runs uh, restaurants in, in – I mean, he's he's a James Beard Award winner. They got a Michelin star, all this thing, and he's going through all the same problems right now. And it's really – it's it's tough to, to see that going on because these people work so many hours. I'm sure oh. you've seen it now. Like, they're there all day, every day. They If you open at 12, people are there at, like, 6 a.m., the hours that these people put in. And um, it's just – that's – like when did you see when I tweeted out like a little bit ago like the questions I had when they we came to like a stoppage or something where I was like will we still be getting paid? Yeah, people, I've gotten oh the backlash I got on that yeah. one. Yeah, sorry that I'm worried about my own family too. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I, I always <laughs> tell I always tell Jimmy and Jake that a baseball player can never mention money no matter what on I, social media because I, you just get worn out. No, and I get it. Like. Yes, I we are in a much better position to handle this stoppage. To we are very fortunate to be able to where this might not affect us nearly as much as it affects other people. Um, that being said, I'll let you know when I've made enough to where I'm not worried about paychecks coming in because I'm not there yet. So I don't know why it was a, such a bad thing to worry about myself. But yeah, don't worry. We just did a whole pod about service time contracts what's going to happen because that is a huge story in baseball the service time aspect is going to be it one of the biggest stories of the last decade in baseball maybe even longer than that because it's going to set players back a ton you're going to lose a year of service time possibly if there's no season that is not good for anybody no except for the owners owners (laughs) well so that's why the owners are trying to take advantage of that right now and they're seeing like the yeah. blood in the water because where we want that service time or that we're not getting paid. So we want the, the money and they're trying to push the line in their favor on a bunch of things right now. And I think that's what a lot of the big holdup is why we don't have a, a set date on season or games. Yeah. Or what's your, what's your prediction there on that season coming back? What do you, what are you thinking? I'll put it around probably June 10th. I don't okay. hate that. I'd say, I'd <laughs> like say that. I think, yeah. I think, mid mid may may 15th this is just personal guys may 15th seems about when gatherings and all that stuff should be fine to happen um i think with this long of layoff starters are going to need time to build back up i think if it was a few weeks you guys can throw pens and we could start back up but after this long enough they're gonna have to build back up so i think it's gonna be a three four week spring um and games will roll in uh You'll see what I'm hearing a little bit on this stuff is I think there might not be an all-star game. I think yeah. you might see a doubleheader every week. Um, I think. That would kind of be cool for a fan. Yeah. Like, all I, right. Doubleheader day. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but but really, though, and I think uh, they'll extend the season maybe a week or two after I took up some games there as well. Um, You're very optimistic right now. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I hope that all comes true. And I hope Sometimes. they add an extra player on the roster to help with the double headers. Like there should be yeah. maybe twenty seven guys instead of twenty six. I agree with that. It might not even be just for double headers. That just might be a extended rosters for this year or something like exactly. that. Exactly. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. because the twenty sixth rule is it has to be a hitter and guys are gonna want extra arms if they're a double header every week. If if they want to start earlier than that the pitchers aren't going to be as ready or starters. So I think they would add one that would be a pitcher, I think, onto the roster. 
How do you feel about playing without any fans? Because when it comes back, there's probably going to be empty stadiums. I mean, is that a just... I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, as, as Cleveland aside, <laughs> for a hometown kid to finally get to play for his hometown city... Oh and yeah! You, you get to the stadium and no one's there. Like it, it, it's a, it's a <laughs> oh buzzkill. Oh my kill. god! It's it's terrible. And I, I'm sitting here kind of sweating out and wishing this wasn't the case. But for for completely separate reasons and selfish reasons, is that it's like you've always wanted to wear the Cubs uniform and play in front of the Wrigley faithful, and it's like your your first games are going to be in front of no one. It's just like that would suck. Yeah, it's got to be weird. So you did you grow up a Cubs fan? Because you're right in the area, right? I grew up a baseball fan. To okay, be honest. I grew up. Uh, even more of a players fan. I, I liked individual players more than teams. Um, but I, my, my dad was probably a little bit more of a Sox fan. My family's more of a Cubs fan. I went to like a sports camp that went to, took uh, like field day trips to Wrigley to watch games. So we, I, I went to Wrigley games as a sports camp kid. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I lived in Lake Zurich for a couple of years. So I was right down the road yeah, from you. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, a, it was a fun one. Like I would be, I got like measured, Growing up, like on a cardboard Sandberg cutout, <laughs> my my uncle my uncle delivered some of his kids. Oh so, really? Yeah. So I got I got a I got a good connection to the Cubs. My grandparents would watch WGN religiously all the time, and um, so yeah, so that's why it's pretty surreal to to be on this team now. But with everything going on, it's just might not play out the way I'd hope. Well, here's a positive spin for the no fan situation. We always hear guys say, like, when they play for the hometown, the ticket requests from family and friends are insane. You won't have to worry True. about that. I can wow. tell them, to, I can tell them to, to F off, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, can't help you. You're not That's allowed. <laughs> you know hey, what? Good thing I, is my friends are already season ticket holders. Yeah, wow. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, there you go. And I, now that you guys dug back into growing up in that area a little bit, I mean, I, I got to do this, and it's not just to fluff you up in front of Ploof, but, dude, some of your high school sports stuff in the Wikipedia is silly. It says freshman year you set the single-goal scoring record and you're, in soccer. you're a wide receiver on the football team. Like, what's when did you realize you were wired differently? Because <laughs> that stuff doesn't happen. I appreciate the alley-oop on this one. Keep in mind, I'm playing <laughs> – against probably a bunch of other Jewish North Shore kids. <laughs> I'm 5'11", and I'm probably the center on the basketball team. <laughs> um, I don't know. And, and that's why it infuriates me when I see these parents kind of limiting their kids to play one sport. Um, to me, like, I wanted to get my hand on any sport I could play, and I, I contribute a lot of my baseball career to other sports. Like, you pick up your 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 speed and your footwork from the soccer I played. I picked up like my, my double play turn from like a basketball shovel pass, um, like a side pass. Like there's so many things you learn from other sports. I, I don't know why you would limit yourself in kind of that way. But I think, I don't know. It, there was just any, any game I could get my hands on. I, I would just pick, I was more interested in that. And my mom would always tell me I could, I could remember my, what count I got what hidden in high school, but I couldn't remember to do my homework. And she would always say so <laughs> in there. What, what interested me. I think you, if you watch you play, you can kind of tell that that was the case. Like when you, when I just think about like what you can do on the field, it does seem like you learned a lot of different things from different sports. Like the way you were able to play second base and then go out to the outfield. Like you just don't, you're not, if you just play baseball and you're just playing second base, you can't, 
go out to center field. But because you have experience as a wide receiver, and like you said, you have the footwork from soccer, you can really tell some guys uh, when they do that, like they play baseball differently, and it's really cool to see. I think you want to be a baseball player first before you 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 say you're like I'm an infielder, I'm an outfielder. I think when yes. you're a baseball player growing up, when you're a kid who loves the game, it's hey, you have a free summer day. What are you doing on that day? I have I would collect like a bucket of 30 baseballs and see which one of my friends wanted to go have a home run derby or we'd have a a, a kiddie pool in my my backyard that we would do running diving catches into where someone would just throw it and just dive and like you you practice diving catches you practice any kind of baseball thing to that wasn't just an actual baseball game where i would try to get my hands on all the time and there's nothing better than playing the diving catch game into the pool oh, like that oh, is yeah. i need that that's I need childhood that I'm actually heating my pool right now because uh, it's pretty cold out, but the kids in quarantine need uh, to get the energy out, so I'm heating it. So today, in honor of you, Kip, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some diving catches into the pool. I appreciate that. How cold is it there? <laughs> it's 50 degrees. It's 50. And we, we made okay. him turn off his space heater to record this, so he's very cold right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, my I'm in my back house. It's freezing back here. But... Kip, are you familiar I'm, I'm with uh, Doug Rader? No, it looks like he got... Uh oh, might have froze him up with Doug Raider. The curse of Doug Raider, man. It's bad man. times. <laughs> did did I get frozen earlier in the episode? Yeah, yeah. You cut out for a minute. We bounced cool. you right back in. Cool. I don't know if this is gonna uh, how this is gonna work because he's on his phone. Anyway, I'll I'll let the people watching on YouTube know if we wait for this. Doug Raider. Went to the same high school as him. He's about to surpass him as hits leader. Look at this uh, baseball card. So he's like, you know, he's chasing Doug Rader for the, the high school thing. Look at Doug Rader's baseball card. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get Kip to reenact this homage to his high school. That's Damn. amazing. The what note your flap. Yeah. It's it looks really like good. a mascot. Yeah, well, that's just Doug Raider, Jake. So Doug the Rader. one batting glove thing. I don't know if that was me or not, but I was I was asking you a, a very important question. <laughs> if you know who Doug Raider is, not off the top of my head, but all right. So he he holds the record for most hits from a, a graduate from your high school in the MLB, really? but. Good news. Good news is you're coming up on him, like 180, and you'll beat him. Doug Raider. Yeah, he's got a really good batting card. I don't know if you'll be able to see it on your phone. Oh if, wow! So we're thinking, <laughs> just grinning. You should maybe re just recreate that as an homage. <laughs> so wait, he has he has more hits than Kipnis in the big leagues. Yeah, because you yeah. have a lot of hits, bro. I'm not gonna lie, I've never heard his name, and I know most of the. People yeah. who have played high school. That surprises me a little bit. Glenbrook North. He's got uh, 1,302 hits. Who does this guy think he is? You got to <laughs> step it up. Bro. Get out of here, dumb I'm Raider. Googling him as we speak now. Yeah. So, but you'll beat him. Just, we'll just make our own talking baseball countdown and then we'll First celebrate thing that it comes for you. Up, nicknamed the Red Rooster. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So you know he's good. So I, he, I, he has my respect now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I won't badmouth him. I think he was an infielder as well, corner infielder. But he played for Houston. Third baseman, I believe. Yeah, you're right. Wow. All right, I, I got some work to do. 
I did not know who he was, just to let everyone know. I yeah. Just, we I know also, that. I also just found out about it. <laughs> yeah. What, hey. uh, I, I, we we kind of skipped over it. What uh what is your quarantine survival plan? Is it you mentioned I think before we started recording, you mentioned a little HGTV. Oh, oh right nice. There. A little band work back there. Look at that. I'm supposed to stay in a uh, uh, professional athlete shape with a yoga mat and these eights. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got it. My, 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 I'm petrified to think that like, it's not real, but I'm like in my mind, everyone else is at the complex right now having practice just because I, I left to go home before the travel ban, all this stuff. Um, I think Monday they shut down finally the spring training complex and I was told there's a chance I might be able to go work at Wrigley, work out at Wrigley and hit, but I think they closed that down. Luckily, it's been like a week, and I don't know why I didn't think about this the whole time. I have my own batting cages that I built for my high school with my damn name on it, and I just remember Yeah. Doug Raiders are right now putting in work. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, uh, Reese Hoskins went to uh, – the park in philly and they told him to go home so that makes me feel a lot better i don't think anyone's putting in work at the fields right now it's just a thousand mlb players with fomo a hundred percent and i was built for this quarantine and not built for it in the sense that staying in on my couch and drinking wine and was binging shows is my calling card more than baseball <laughs> that being said, trying to do home workouts and stay on top of that to make sure I don't get out of shape is not one of my strong suits. So this <laughs> could be, we're going to both find out together if I did a good job or not when we start back up. What, what are you binging? You, yeah, what are you binging? We're about to start. Uh, right now it's been movies. We're about to start Shit's Creek. Okay, that's good. And um, The Outsider with Jason Bateman, I think. I like uh, The Outsider a lot. Yeah, good. it was pretty good. Good. Okay. We got, uh, I'm trying to think the movies have been going well. We just watched parasite. Nice the, the picture of the year, 1917 yep. Ford versus Ferrari. We got, we got a bunch of the good ones. In. How was 1917? Cause that's on my queue right now. I loved it. I think take one of John boys pills and get on the couch <laughs> and lock it in. Cause as soon as that starts, you're, you're good to go for it's like, a, it's like one shot. Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah, it's crazy. <clears throat> it's really I cool. Think you, I think you know I don't need to borrow any of uh, John Boy's pills. <laughs> me neither. I'm, I'm trying to get him. Up. I'm trying to get him to supply me. I loaded up before. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> my uh, my last note here. <clears throat> I think this is common, but for uh, you you definitely know this. But your first career hit was a walk off. Your mm-hmm. one thousand. I can't say that word. One thousandth hit was a walk off. <laughs> Why can't I say that? Um, anyway, first hit walk off. Is that as cool a moment as it seems? Like, did you soak all that in when it happened? You want to talk about getting the monkey off the bat? I think it was my – might have been just second game. Second or third game, Ofer up to that date. Um, I'm on deck at the bottom of the ninth. Like, exactly what you think about when you're a little kid. Just the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. And I'm telling myself – and Trevor can talk about the mental game of it where it's like, Sometimes you just trick yourself into doing good sometimes. Sometimes you're like, hey, I know I'm over eight right now, but if there's any a time to get my first hit, you're like, this is it. This is what it, this is why it's been waiting. Like this makes it all worth it. And like that's kind of the self-talk you got going on deck and um it kind of happens. So for to the first hit, then a walk-off hit, and you're at home and everything, like 
it, it's still to this day I remember that very vividly more than my my first game way more than my first game I remember yeah first game your, your thousandth hit was the walk-off mm-hmm. and you pimp that one really Oof. well I love that I don't, I I don't love like that highlight to do it too often but that one like there's some that just kind of take you into like your back leg and I think if you even see the catcher's reaction and I think he just screamed out the F word right away because everyone <laughs> knew it. And I just, I was like, ah, I don't enjoy him too often. I like to kind of at least get some movement going towards first, but there, this one was a good one. That was one of my favorite ones. You leaned back on it. And that's the problem with being fast. And I never really had to deal with it is that <laughs> you're just like, you're just like trying to get out of the box quick. Like I'm slow. So I know I don't have to. So like I was able to maybe enjoy a few more because that- you know, the running wasn't really part of my game. That's going to help me, I think, now. I think I'm going to tone – I think I'm really going to tone down the hustle these next okay. couple seasons. <laughs> the first couple of years when you're when I was lighter and younger and, like, fresher, you you get some infield singles. And yeah. then also you're, you're, you're thinking, like, oh, God, I might be able to beat some balls out. And now I'm learning, like, 10 pounds, two hamstrings later that – you're I'm a good 10 feet from the bag where, where I used to be sometimes. And it's just like, all right, maybe I can enjoy these a little bit more instead of thinking I'm going to beat a ground ball to the first baseman to first base. <laughs> yeah. I think you've, I think you watched a few more than you think. Cause I remember seeing some of them where you kind of, you know, you got that swag. You don't just hustle every time out of the box, but I will say, what about the world series in- homers? Were those, did you pimp those? No, no. I think, I mean, I'm like in the sense that I didn't stand and watch them. Um, I think they're ones that you, you knew you got. So you, your pimping becomes maybe like down the first base line where you break it down a little, look into your own dugout or something and you're pumped up. But I think it's nothing more than that. Um, I think that's why I think the World Series and the playoffs is I, ideally, or at least the way I learned it, is the, I think that's just your best brand of baseball or should be. I think you're so locked in on the game and everything about it that I, I just, you, I, you forget the, the extra curricular stuff. Like you're not thinking about showing someone up. You're just so concerned about winning for your team that that kind of stuff hopefully falls to the side. Yeah. I got, I got, I got a couple, I, I got a couple quick Cleveland quick hitters from fuzzy. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's like a baseball streamer. He's a big Indians fan. He's cleaning up right now. He's, I mean, he streams MLB the show. That's what people are watching. Yeah. Um, so a, his first one was, how did it feel to hit the home run in the futures game? Interesting. So that, that was another one, a fun one that was in Arizona and I had just gone to ASU. So to be able to come back, I think I threw up the, the pitchfork when I hit home and, <laughs> nice. um, it, it let off the game. I think that lineup actually was a stupid lineup behind me. I was, I, even then I kind of recognized how cool that lineup was. I think. Trout was supposed to be in it, but he had just passed like a week by uh, too much service time. So where he couldn't play in it because he was called up. But then like one through five, it was like me, Harper, Goldschmidt, Arenado, and like. Wow. Damn. Uh, one other one I missed. And yeah, it was stupid. The, the guys I had behind me, the thump that they were bringing. I forget who the, the other guy was. Uh, I realize it's in, in Arizona because that's got to be. I mean, going to the Futures game, going to the All-Star weekend, and then throwing that out there, that's <laughs> – I mean, that's it, man. <laughs> there's, 
I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's been some very cool moments that I've been very lucky to have in the sense that they, the walk-off first hit, the thousandth walk-off, that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not going to finish with the most career home runs or anything like that, but the ones that I do have have been great for me, so I got no complaints. That's not bad. Speaking of a homer, we got to ask you about this. <clears throat> you hit two homers yourself in the World Series. That's amazing. What? Where were you and what was your reaction when – Raja Davis hit the freaking homer off Chapman. I was, let's see, this is going to sound terrible. Raja was probably at the end of our lineup, so I was coming back around, so I was probably in the hole, I think, because I was close to the steps. Um, and I will follow that up with, after saying that I've had some cool home runs in my career, my most memorable, enjoyable one wasn't even mine. It was that one. Uh, Dude, yeah. What a moment. Without a question, uh, like a little league team, we literally jumped the railing, almost borderline walk-off style, where we just were jumping up and down. And if you go – like, I, I'm getting goosebumps right now. It's the only one that – in my mind, the game ended right there. Um, that you watch, like – you know how you see from cool sporting events, maybe like a phone footage from someone in like up in the, the, the third deck or – the footage around bars around Cleveland during that, like I would watch those kind of videos after and literally almost like tear up and get goosebumps. Cause that is the first time I've ever heard noise like that, where it's like, this is a bedlam. Like this is a madhouse that is like, I don't know how to absolutely describe this sound and word where it's like, there's not a, no one was sitting down. No one was quiet, like mouth open, not saying anything. There were just screams and screams. And I've never experienced anything like that. That was one of the coolest moments of my my career, and it wasn't even me. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I talked to him about it the next year. I think I played with, uh, or I, I think I played with him in Oakland. Was just, <laughs> I'd ask him about what a the good game. Team and, you are. Yeah, no, he, even him, he's like, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, like out of body experience, whatever you want to call it. And and like, yeah, even for me, I was watching on the couch, and I remember it vividly. Yeah. And just like a little short swing and. He was choking up, and then bam. The, like, it's like the only spot that it could have happened is where the pitch went. Yeah. <laughs> I had like three homers on the year. And, it and was, against the Raldis Chapman, man. just Raldis Chapman, yeah. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. And uh, just, yeah, that was – it literally still brings a uh, smile to my face thinking about that. Awesome, man. I don't know what happened after that game. I, I, I usually pause, pause it and turn it <laughs> after that. I know, man. We were talking before, like, it's a tough memory to bring up because that was so joyous, and then, you know, it didn't turn out the way you guys wanted it to. But still, I mean, well, a lot of his, a lot of his teammates today, a lot of his teammates today enjoy that memory. I mean, Game 7 of the World Series, not many, not many people get to experience that, so it's really cool to even just be there. I know that didn't come out the way you wanted it, but fuck. I, I'm, not, I'm not blind to see how how – a good for the game of baseball it was. I mean, I'm a baseball fan, the game of baseball itself. So I knew what it was uh, at the time of how just incredible of a game it was. And I, I can still be mad at the loss and still appreciate everything that went down and uh, everything that happened. So it, was, it wasn't lost on me just because we didn't end up victorious that day. Cool. Jake, did, have, did Fuzzy have another one? Well, it's that same game, and I don't want to just keep reliving it because we got past that awesome moment. Um, but did you think way. you did you think I, you I was, got Chapman? No, no, I was just in the because you 
Cubs spring training where literally the band, they are opened up a new TV network that played highlights every single day on the TV. Oh, Jesus. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I'm numb to it at this point. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't think I got Chapman and people, here's what I hate is that people are like, he was gassed. You have one reliever that on another team, let's say, so like Kimball or something comes in throwing 98. You're like, Oh, he's pumped up. Chapman throws 98. Like he's got nothing. He's, he's gassed. Like it's not <laughs> still. Yeah. I don't like, and, and Trevor can tell you, like, it doesn't matter if that's all he's got anymore left in the tank. Like, that's still 98, and that's why um, I'll make a nice little connection for you. I mean, that's why I was just a, a – t- uh, even if it was down the middle slider, you're, you you got to gear up for that 198, and you're just a little bit out in front on it. Um, I knew the, the side spin, the English I had on it, was going to take it foul. Okay. And I, I hit it hard, but not, not anywhere uh, with backspin that was going to carry to the wall. Plus, he's tall, and he's a lefty, and he gets, you know, by the time he lets go of the ball, he's 50 feet from you. So, he's like, 50, this guy is not an easy bat, especially for you, a lefty. You're not sure where he is mentally that day. You don't know where the <laughs> damn ball's going half the time because he doesn't know where the ball's going half the time because there's a lot of times he – John Boy knows he loses it, and he walks a lot of people. So, it's not only is it coming from right by you and that fast, it's like – you hope it's in the zone and you're trying to guess and anticipate. It's kind of like moving up halfway on an iron mic in a cage where it's like, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be right around here. I got to get started yeah. a little bit earlier, but then he throws a slider and you're just, you're kind of throws everything off. It's, it's yeah, not nuts. an easy at all. He's, he's, he's a pitcher now with that slider too. And it's not just like a, it's Absolutely. not something, not something to distract you from the fastball. Like that slider is nasty. No, to his credit, and as the more he can locate that, it becomes an absolute weapon because it just keeps. You you can't. There's guy professional hitters. If it, even if it's 100, 102, if we know it's coming, eventually we're going to catch up to it and we're going to hit it. We're going to make the adjustment. That's not it. But you add that, that just keeps you off the toes and that much further from from getting it. And I'll make the nice little joke is that I didn't know a slider was coming that pitch, so I didn't. I didn't. I didn't wake back enough. We would have made the joke for you if you yeah. didn't do it. Had I had I known, I might have stayed back a little bit more and might have been less oh, better. Man. We don't need to get into that. We. Well. I'm sick of talking about those guys. Reference is over my head. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> this this don't virus is the best thing that happened to that team. It is. Yeah. Right? They're pro corona. We talk about that before. <laughs> yeah. We don't well, all right. We said we're not talking about it, but I forgot that you're with the, the Cleveland team that in that they eliminated in um what was it? 17, 18? Seven both years, maybe? No, seven eighteen was eighteen. Yan- seven Yankees, eighteen was Astros. And I think, yeah. The Indians in eighteen knew like they weren't playing a fair game from all everything we, i know and like that's such yeah. a shitty way to go about a playoff series to know like we know that these guys are doing this we've tried to tell the league they don't care and we have to live with it the worst thing is is that like clev and i knew it and kind of said it in some post-game interviews and we got looked at like we were sore losers like we were complaining and all this stuff and um People are like, well, maybe you should have prepared for prepared longer, prepared more. We're like, that's not what we're talking about. But we're not. We have full knowledge of the situation. 
you don't have to dig far to see Bauer was on top of it, a lot of it early on. Um, they had a guy who was in our dugout, like taking pictures and videos on his phone with like a fake credential or something that we kicked out. I don't know if you dig deep enough, you can find that story. Um, that guy who got fired was, um, who was it, the assistant GM or whatever? Taubman, some of yeah, that. Taubman. He was like going around screaming at our staff, screaming at like our scoreboard people. Like he was causing a distraction all the time. Like it was just, you're just like, what is? He's a good guy. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, just what is going on? Where? Why is? Why is this happening? This isn't. Baseball's the focus. This game should be the focus. Why is there all this other stuff that's been going on? But yeah, that's what the Yankees say too. That 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 they beat us by enough where I don't even think we were gonna. Yeah. Change it too much so. It was like a one That's an overlooked aspect of this whole situation is what you said is like guys around the league talked about it, whether it was, you know, the stuff that their pitchers are using to increase their spin rate, um, whether it's having the signs and getting them illegally. But you don't want to say something because it makes you sound like a sore loser. If you're not a hundred you know, percent, you don't want to say anything because of that. You don't want to sound like, hey, you know, for lack of a better term, I'm a I'm a I'm a pussy and I'm a sore loser. Like you, you, you don't want to do that. And that's why I think it took a while for it to finally, you know, come out and the, you know, the lid blow off of it because guys didn't want to seem that way. I'll say this. And then giving signs from second base, nobody's going to be mad about that. That's part of that happens. It's that's, that is different. If you can pick up our signs and by the third inning, you're using that against you or against us and to your advantage. Hey, that's part of the game. And then that's on us to change the signs. It's, what they did kind of goes above and beyond that. But I could say it's like that is the one team that I've caught relaying signs more than any in the sense, even in the in the, the fair play way where giving signs from second base, I'm not going to say who. One of them was – one of their infielders is just terrible at it where like I, I watch – as a second baseman, I watch your, your guy's leads off from second where it's like, okay, he goes right foot first, then left foot, and then I'll look at the pitch. It was like fastball, and then I'll – See it again, right foot first, left first. And I was like, fastball. I was like, okay, that's two in a row. Now I have my theory starting to form of what the, the pattern is or what they've got. And then I'll go – or I'll watch the sign and then I'll watch their feet first, sorry. And then I'll once I get my, my theory, then I just watch their feet and try to guess the pitch off of what they're giving. And, like, I'm seeing them, like, jumble their feet. Like, he – I've seen them go right, left, and then literally go, like, no, 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 left, like, I'm like from second base. I'm like, clean it up. And it's like, we couldn't, we were in position where the best thing about baseball is usually regulate itself or police itself where it's like, okay, you go, you throw up and in one time and you look at the runner and you're like, okay, stop giving sides or you do mm-hmm. something like that. You hit someone. I think we were either in close games where they're winning or they're blowing us out where it just would have looked terrible. It's like, we never could do anything about it. We never could st- put an end to it, I guess. So there's just no right time because there, there still is a, a right and wrong time to, to do it. But yeah, um, it's like they weren't even they weren't even great at it. They were just bad at it. And the, the, to me, I'm gonna, this is the last I'll say about it. I think when you go back and you just look at their interviews, I think that's what that's yes. players are more mad. I think it's just how kind of let me use his words like how smug they came off a lot of times. Yeah, and I think so. I mean, and I know a lot of the guys, and they're they're good guys. But I think just the the way they 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 come off now, knowing what we know, is just a bad look. So nothing you can do about it. You don't take away a championship. You don't do anything like that. It's just 
it, it seems to me like you know like you're saying like every organization we're like we uh, and players in general will talk about hey yeah when we get the signs of second base let's do it but it doesn't happen I mean, at least in my experience it didn't happen that often you know it wasn't like we we're doing it all the no. time if something was blatant it happens it seems to me like they made it a point in their organization like th- this is how we're going to get an advantage let's do this and i think from there it just snowballed into what eventually we know happened because Made it a they point in the yeah. sense they hired scouts i think for that purpose, yes relay it down. like they made it a, a department of stealing yes from the sounds of it um yes for them to come out and say every team's doing it no sorry no they're not um i no. can know i could tell you we didn't do it in cleveland i can honestly say we tried we were too stupid to do it and we just couldn't pull it <laughs> off but it's like, and there, there really are guys who don't want to know. There's guys who, because it, it takes one time where it's like a 2 or some count and you think a fastball's coming and here comes a curveball. And now you're pissed off at that guy in second. And now you're questioning what you forget your plan because you're just putting all your eggs in the basket of getting the signs from the guy at second. And it's just, it, not every team does it. I think that's a complete lie. Yeah, they'll hang their they'll hang their hats on that Houston fans forever though, and just say that. But everywhere that I go and we talk to, it's like the same thing you say. There's levels, and what they did was way worse. Yeah, I have no problem with with some of the the legal cheating. I guess no other way to put it, if you will. Where I really, I it, I do not mind it one bit at all. That's part of the game, one hundred percent. Yeah. Jim, Jimmy's not very well versed in the topic, but um, I, I think I think I think more importantly, um, let's let's go back 2014 real quick. Trevor Plouffe comes to town with his 40 doubles. He says he says, "Kip, Daddy, I I, I need a night out. Where are you guys going in Cleveland?" It was 2014. It might be Barley House, probably. Yeah, we did the Barley House together. Then you you took me to the one you you mentioned earlier, forward. The out, forward, the outdoor one. That was wild. So and it was like a club that was completely outdoors. Like kind of, it's encompassed in like these train carts. Um, I like closed that. off kind of right, right by the river. Yeah, it's a cool setup, almost like a Vegasy outdoor club. Yeah, Cleveland's a little sneaky, you know. You don't. It gets kind of a bad rep. Uh, but there's some good restaurants there and the, some, a couple of good places to go out. I always had fun in Cleveland. So. That's exactly what we say about Minnesota. That's a yes, the, Minnesota the dark is. city of the, <laughs> the Central. It is. Minnesota's, Minnesota's good. It's a good downtown. There's a lot of things to do. People are nice. Is it Sneaky Pete's or Stinky Pete's? <laughs> yeah, Sneaky Pete's. You know what's funny is I like rarely ever went there. I think I've only been there twice, but every single person never came to visit me and all the visiting players, like you ended up at Sneaky Pete's. It's a slump buster bar. <laughs> oh, wow. Not, 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 not in the sense of like pulling chicks. It's you go there and that you have a good game the next day. That's a lot of ringing. teams had good games. Against us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got a lot of guys hot. <laughs> Just, I love yeah. some, of, some of the best steakhouses are in Minnesota. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff, man. Yeah, we appreciate you joining us, talking some baseball in these uh, weird times. Well, I needed this. Thank you guys for having me. This brought me back.